Uh, Chastity, put up my first set of scriptures. Uh, and, and as she's putting that up, I want to give a little preface to, to the story because I'm going to preach mainly out of this story today. Uh, this is the children of Israel. This is where they first got their first king with King Saul. He, uh, he started off, he, he did right. He sounded good. And then the chapter before this, he had 3,000 men. And uh, they went to go, they went to, go uh, to battle and everything. And it was just like everything fell apart. They lost all their weapons. Their, their army dwindled down to 600, a fifth of what they had. And all of a sudden, they were outnumbered by the Philistines. They had no weapons. They, a lot of their own people turned against them and went to the Philistine camp. And so I want you to think about this. Jonathan here, which, which is the main person I want to talk about tonight, he, he, he wasn't this great leader at the time. You had the first king ever. He wasn't the star of the show. And, and God did something phenomenal through him. One of the craziest things I've ever read in the Bible and uh, we're going to start, it says, Now it came to pass on a day, upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison. That is on the other side. But he told not his father. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah, under a pomegranate tree, which was in Migron. And the people that were with him were 600 men. And Ahiah, I guess, I, I'm going to mess up some of these words right here. The son of Hittub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. And we're going to skip to verse 6. And it says, And Jonathan said to the young man who bare his armor, Come, let us go to the garrison of these uncircumcised, that it might be that the Lord may work for us. For, for there is no restraint for the Lord to save by many or by few. And, and the armor bearer said unto him, Do, that all that is in, do all that is in thy heart. Behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Let's pray. Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus, God, to anoint me. God, don't let it be my words, but let it be your words. God, I pray that you'd speak through me. And God, anoint our ears to hear this, including myself, God. Let us apply this to our lives, God, that we might reach out, God, that we might touch people's lives. God, I pray that you'd do mighty things in this midst today. God, I thank you so much for your blood for sending Jesus. God, I pray that you just have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want to talk about Jonathan for a minute right here. He, uh, like I said, he wasn't, he wasn't this great leader or anything like that at this time. He was just, a, he was in the middle of the camp. And uh, the one thing that he was, though, and I want to point out to everybody, he was the son of a king. Guys, we're all sons of the king. It's so awesome when I was studying this and Jonathan comes and preaches about adoption uh, Wednesday night. And then he preached it at Teen Challenge. And then he went over it again this morning. This, 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 if you can go back and listen to the sermon on the website that he preached Wednesday night, it was phenomenal. I'm still chewing on it. It's awesome that God adopted us, that he selected us, no matter what our flaws were, no matter what our failure, he came and chose us and paid a price for it. No matter if I turn my life back, if I turn back to the, the old ways, to, to my flesh, he still paid a price for me. And he paid a price for you. So get this. If you don't understand this one point, the rest of this isn't going to matter. We are all sons and daughters of, Christ, of, of, of the king. And that's what Jonathan was here. He was a son of the king. And he did something crazy right here. He said, he said to the guy that carried his armor, who was a young, if you look at armor bearers, they were always usually young, and they carried the armor. And he said, hey, we're going to go over to the enemy's camp. I love that song, enemy, uh, I went to the enemy's camp and stole back what he stole from me. That's exactly what Jonathan does right here. He says, hey, let's go over to the enemy's camp and see what the Lord might do for us. And it gets even better. He finishes up by saying, for there is no restraint for the Lord to save by many or by few. 
Now, I want, I want you to think about this. We put so much importance on this pulpit, and I do myself, so much importance on the preachers. Th- this wasn't the spokesperson for the nation. This wasn't God's prophet. This wasn't even the priest that was there with uh, King Saul at the time. This was someone who said, you know what? I'm tired of living in my sin. I'm tired of hiding. At this time, like I, I didn't go over it all. Uh, in chapter 13, it shows that they were hiding. They, they, were, just, they were scared to death of the Philistines because they were outnumbered. And they didn't have weapons. Now, I'm pretty sure if we went to war with someone and we were like, okay, we have no weapons. What are we going to do? We wouldn't go charging in there. That would be crazy. And that's the way they were. And it says it happened upon a day. It doesn't say a certain time or anything like this. The special. It just says it happened upon a day. And really what happens, they got used to living in their sin. They got used to living and hiding from the enemy. And I feel like the church is there today. I feel like that we're all, not, not necessarily us, but as a body, we're all kind of sitting back. We're not the loud vocal voice that we should be. And, and there's all these dumb things that happen. You have social media, and it, 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 there's some funny memes from it, but even this new Brad's wife uh, on, on Facebook and everything. People just have the right to share their opinion like, it's, like it matters. And I mean, they, they just type whatever they want to. And, and this guy, apparently, Brad, typed in something, why'd you fire my wife? Okay, some bad things happen in life. If I typed up something every time something bad happened to me, my life would seem like it was terrible. But, but guess what? The enemy does that. It's loud. It just seems like it's always in our face. And it's time for the church to take a stand. It's time for us to be that loud voice again. Like Jonathan, Jonathan did here, he just said, hey, enough's enough. Let us see what God will do for us. You know, and, and like, I, like Papa calls them, I love it, keyboard cowards. I told my work this the other day about it. I kind of got on this rant about this Brad's wife thing and people posting their opinion. These social justice warriors. Woo, you typed up something. That's something awesome you've done. I mean, really, what you're wanting to do is say, hey, I did a good job. I posted something to help get someone justice. I saw someone put, uh, Australia demands justice for Brad's wife. <laughs> I mean, really? <laughs> I, I, when I saw that, I was just like, are you serious? Like I said, there's some, there's some funny memes and people's made fun of this a lot. It's hilarious. But then again, it's sad because this is a state that we're living in. This is a state everybody's in that their importance is all over a, a, a phone that doesn't matter. When Christ comes back, that phone is going to be down here and it ain't going to matter. Our, our eyes are going to be upon the king and that's all that will ever matter. But, uh, but Jonathan, and, and, I'll, and notice something. He says he didn't tell his father. And I'm, I, when I read that, I was like... Uh, I, don't, I don't like that. Secrets are bad, and they are. If anything that's done in secret usually isn't good. But I, but I started looking, at it, I was like, why did he not tell his father? I, I was praying to God about this. I was like, why did he keep this quiet? He's going to do something awesome for God. He's going to, he was going to be used to deliver the children of Israel here because they were in bondage. Why didn't he tell them? Why didn't he go through his covering? If he would have went to his dad, his dad loved him with a natural love, he would have said, hey, no, you're, you're crazy. You and your armor bearers are going to go take on thousands and thousands of men? Common sense would have entered and it would have discouraged him. So he, notice he only kept one person with him. He kept that core tight group that he, he, would, he trusted in. And notice what the armor bearer said. It's so awesome. He says, do all that is in your heart. Guys, this is something, this is what we're all called to do. We have a fantastic pastor and staff here. And we're all called here to support them no matter what. And I thought about it. I put myself in that armor bearer's shoes as of now. And I thought about it. 
if, if back in the day Jonathan would have said, let's go do this crazy ministry thing. Let us go, I don't know, just do something off the wall crazy. I'd have been like, yes, let's do it. Let's see what God will do. I was so excited. Now that I'm older, I think I'm entitled to an opinion. Let me go back to that. I think I'm also entitled to put in my two cents. And, I, and even studying for this, I said, God, forgive me. Because I put in my two cents before when it didn't belong. And, and, and if this armor bearer, if he would have said, hey, are, are you crazy? We're going against thousands of men, just me and you. You have a sword and I don't even have a weapon. I have something, I think he probably had a staff or something. The, the Philistines completely shut off any, any way to get to a blacksmith. So they controlled the weapons. And you want us to go fight those guys? Are you crazy? That's exactly what I would have said. As a young guy, I would have said, I think, I know myself, and I'm try, I want to get back to that point where I'd said, okay, let's go. Do what's in your heart. Guys, we're, we're, a lot of times, I, like I said, at least growing up in church, you start thinking you know it all. And I, like I say, I'm preaching to myself here because I do this. If I hear something, I'm like, well, that's not going to work because of this, this, and this. How do we know? Have we tried it? Have we given it a chance? And like I said, we're, we're called, I mean, if pastor who, I've watched his decisions throughout the past 12 years, I've never found a decision that I've been like 100% against, like, oh, that was completely wrong and terrible. I mean, he, he's a fantastic pastor. He's been one of the best pastors I've ever seen in my life and I've ever heard of. And, and, I, and I, like I told God, I was like, God, I'm getting back to where if he said something off the wall crazy, that's the way it's going to be. I'm going to support him 100%. And I want to challenge you guys too. Because what happens if you said something to discourage that? What if his armor bearer would have said, hey, it's too risky. Let's not try that. We might not even have this chapter. These guys could have been wiped out by the enemy. They were well overpowered. The children of Israel might not have been half of what we've seen today. You wouldn't have some of these great warriors like David. You wouldn't have some of these great kings that came up through them. Yes, there's some bad ones, but there's some really good ones too. But they, this, this armor bearer was the only person that could have done anything to discourage them. And I asked God, I was like, okay, God, everything I always try when I study for something, I'm like, God, I want an Old Testament and a New Testament scripture. And I was like, did Jesus ever get hindered by anything? Was there anything to ever hold Christ back from moving upon people? And I was like, he's Jesus. There's no way that he could, he could be held back. He, he's God. He could do all things. Uh, Chastity put up Matthew, and I was wrong too, Matthew 13, 58. And says, he did not do many mighty works because of their unbelief. This was his own people. This is where he lived. Guys, I, I'm preaching to the, the same people I feel like right now, the same people I've grown up with that I know well. Guys, the one thing that can hinder God, and this hindered Christ himself, was unbelief. This, this armor bearer could have discouraged them and made him believe that, you know what, what we're doing is not going to work. But that one thing, and let's take it to heart. Let's, let's think about any time we go to step out on the waters like Peter did, or we go say, hey, we're going to try something new to reach someone. You might just reach one person. We've heard many times it was a, uh, it was a greeter, uh, an usher, that got Billy Graham to stay through the church service that saved his life. He gave his heart to God that service. How many people did he reach? We, we might be in the same exact case. Like I said, but, it, but one thing is for sure, if that, if that uh, usher wouldn't have thought about how important his job was, if he wouldn't have thought about what he could have done, we wouldn't have had a Billy Graham. And who knows the state of this nation? It seems like this nation has just turned its back on God in every way. And it's awesome. Uh, we, have, we do have a vice president that you could tell is, is a Christian. He's named Christ over, over the, uh, all the 
argument stuff that I can't think of the word right now, but where they argued the Democrats and Republicans. And I was blown away when I heard it. It is a step in the right direction, it seems. But as a nation, as a people, they still hate God. This, I've, came to, I've came to grips that it, in Mount Olive, they are people that hate God. I work, I've, I've said this before. I work with one of the best group of people ever at work. Every single one of them is a Christian. And at least as far as I know, we all talk pretty openly about the Bible. We talk about things that our, our pastors preach. It's a very open group of people that work together. And it's so awesome that we can talk. That even when we talk, we notice that people, because we've talked to customers before, and you can tell they just kind of, they just get this weird look, and they get out of there as fast as they can. I don't know if it's conviction or what. But I think about it, how many more people can I reach? I, I reach one or two people here or there. That's great. But there's hundreds of people that come through my bank a day that I don't get to talk, or I don't talk to. Why? One person, like I said, could reach millions of people. And, and someone might have planted a seed, and God wants me to water it, and him give an increase. Well, if I have a bad day and I'm quiet, someone might not, might not miss, or might miss God. Guys, we could be the, the very key to revival. Amen. And it's all God's waiting for is for you to take action. Amen. If he would have sat back, if Jonathan would have sat back, like I said, it was just a normal day. It wasn't nothing that really that shows in the scripture that provoked him. The only thing I could think of is him sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, I am tired of living in what I'm living in. Guys, I'm, I, our church services, it seems like they're growing. It seems like our church is growing and it's awesome. But I want to see more people come to Christ. I heard, we heard Drew, when he preached, he mentioned he wants to see every kid reached in this, in this area. And I, and I feel the same exact way as him. We want to see God come together and move. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but the Bible says if two people agree on one thing, uh, let's see, where is it at? Like I say, I'm, I'm jumped off a little bit ahead. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's Matthew 18, 18 through 20. Chastity put it up. Very, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth, you shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you, if any two agree on one thing, touching one thing, that they shall ask, it shall be done, of, of the, ugh, shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For if two or three are gathered together in my name, to, there I am in their midst. Okay, me and Drew both feel the same way. We've, we've said it from the pulpit, that we want to see kids come in. This youth, the more I talk to different youth and stuff like that, they, they just, they don't hear God like we have when we were younger. They don't hear God in the schools. They don't hear God even from their parents nowadays. I didn't, I didn't growing up, I didn't have this deep walk with God, but my mom who's here, I'm so glad to see her. She taught me one thing, that there is a God and there was Jesus. Like I said, we, we, all, came, we all came to God later on in life. We all had this, these great encounters with God and gave our lives to God. But they would still, the parents would teach about God. The, the parents would still teach, hey, there is a creator in heaven, and he watches us. He, he knows when we do wrong. The parents don't even teach that anymore. They, they don't even teach that there is something bigger than us out there that is in control. Guys, and the teachers do it at school all the time. I know Jessica does it sometimes probably. You teach on stuff, and, and you're an English teacher, so I just thought about you. It's not this, but science teachers. I, I heard one of my science teachers one time in school say, now I might not agree with this, but I have to teach this. You can teach things that you don't necessarily believe in. And, and, and this world is declining. This nation's declining where we don't even teach 
things that are good things to our kids. I mean, I, I have to watch going in, in, in like Walmart and Foodland and places like that because people don't know how to handle their kids. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. It gets on my nerves. I'm like, I heard, I heard one parent saying, okay, well, we're just going to be patient. Be calm, little, little girl. I'm like, no, it doesn't look like she has any patience at all, and you're trying to make it that way. It's not happening. You need to get a grip on her. But, I mean, it, it's just crazy. I, I, I've watched the, the age that I was, I was growing up in. Sorry, I saw Drew do the force choke, and I was like, yep, yeah, that's what I feel like sometimes. But, uh, but the nation that I grew up in, I'm 26. It hasn't been too long. It's completely different from me growing up till now. And, and it does, one thing it does good is it makes me think, okay, God, I am going to discipline my kids because I'm not going to be embarrassed like that in public. There's no way I'm going to have you screaming at the top of your lungs and be walking down an aisle. So. But this nation has just gone down fast. I've never seen it just decay so fast. And, I, and I'm, sometimes I'm looking at it and going, how much worse can it get? Yep. And guys, if, if Jesus don't come back soon, it's going to get worse. And we've got to be ready to take a stand. We've got to be ready to say, God, I know that I'm going to get blasted on social media because they think they can top whatever they want. I don't care. You're worth more than anything reaching someone's life. You're able to do so much more through this. I don't care what they say about me. It's going to be all right. And this, and this is the most awesome part. And we're going to move on through the story. I'm not going to read it for time's sake. But Jonathan goes up there and he says, hey, we're going to discover ourselves to these guys, the enemy. We're going to make ourselves known. Let's see, let's see if they say, hey, we're going to come to you. We're not going to go up. But if they say, come up to us, we're going to go. And it's so awesome because they go up. And that, the, the Philistines, they're so, they're so just arrogant. They say, hey, you guys, come up to us and let's show you something. Basically, what they're saying is we're going to whip you real good. Why don't you come up here? And Jonathan, his reaction is so awesome. He, sa- he says, hey, come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into my hand, our hands. Jonathan saw it as something way bigger than himself. And he brought, and thanks to God using him, it says that the Lord saved Israel that day. They go up there and they start, they start fighting the enemy. The enemy that's so big and bad that screamed all the way across to, to try to intimidate them, to bring them down. It's like, hey, we're going to show you something. Nah, Jonathan's the one that showed them something. It says that they killed a half acre of land, not a very big piece of land, 20 people. And the way it says that they did it is Jonathan would wound them. He would hit them, and then the armor bearer would, would take care of them and finish them off. It's so awesome because he had to trust that armor bearer. Yeah. Because if he didn't trust that armor bearer, after he hit one person, he goes to the next. If that person gets up, he's in trouble. So he had to know, hey, this guy's someone I trust, and he's going to cover my back. We, like I said, this armor bearer needs to be every single one of us. Yeah. I, I've heard people be, be said that they've been called to be an armor bearer for someone, and, that, and that's fine. But we're all called to be armor bearers for our pastor, for our staff. We're all called to be armor bearers for the people that are leading us. We're all called to be support. And that's what we, we need to do. We need to cover, cover our pastor's back every time he gets up here. Guys, one thing I know about preaching, and I've even felt it this week, even, I can tell even through Miranda getting sick, I've had, to, I've had to sleep on the couch, like I said, and I have not felt like studying. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Every time I sit up, I'm like, oh, my back is hurting. This couch is not comfortable. It's comfortable to sit on, not comfortable to sleep on. I'm not 20 anymore, but uh, it's crazy. Six years, there's a lot of difference I've known. <laughs> but, uh, but there's an attack on, 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 the word, on the people bringing God's word. There has been throughout all of Scripture. 
I don't know why sometimes I've gotten up here and I've thought, okay, God's given me this word, I'm going to deliver it. I do it and I'm thinking, okay, everything's going to be good. We're going to go out here. Well, no, the, the people bringing God's word a lot of times are the target of the enemy. I, I, heard, I heard, I think pastor said it before, that if we're, if we're going the same way, the, or if we're not going the same way the enemy, we're not meeting them or something. I'm butchering that pretty bad. But basically, if, if we're walking and we're not fighting the enemy, we're going the same direction as him. So we, we've got to take, like I said, I, I know myself, this is not going to be all chipper week next week. And I'm, I've already been preparing. I've been like, God, I know, even praying for the service, I'm like, God, keep me next week because I want to live this. I don't want to just preach this and expect you guys to do something about it and me not doing anything. This whole sermon studying this, I've had this on my heart for a while. Uh, and it's kind of cool that it just ha- so happened that my Sunday school lesson uh, two or three weeks ago was on this. And, I, and it was cool because I got to teach something kind of different than this, but it had a lot of the same points. But even through that, God was challenging me then. And he's going to continue to challenge me. And I, I pray that God challenges all of you. Like I said, this is something we're needing. We're, we're, this church is needing people to say, hey, I'm going to see what God will do for me. I want to take action. I'm tired of sitting in our pews. And I'm going to go out and do something good for someone. I'm going to go out and pray for someone, talk to someone. A lot of people, Jonathan said it when he preached last, he said, hey, people are just waiting for someone to ask to come to church. 80% of people said they would come to church if they're asked. Guys, these, these people are hurting out there. And they don't even know they're hurting. We went up to Teen Challenge Friday night to feed them. Uh, word got out to Jonathan that they haven't had steak since they've been there. And they probably don't get the best of meals up there. If y'all don't know, Teen Challenge is a recovery program for people that are addicted by drugs, alcohol, and other substances. But we went up there and uh, got to grill them out steak. And then we had a service afterwards. That, that, little, that little gesture of just giving them something to eat. You saw them, they, they were looking normal, like normal everyday girls. After they ate, they were excited. And it was so awesome because we got to feed them physically, and they go straight into it and feed them spiritually. And it was so awesome to watch them afterwards. We, we sang a song called, We're No Longer Slaves to Fear. And we did uh, Oh Praise the Name afterwards, and before, I can't remember, it wasn't Good Good Father, it was another song. Either way, Oh Praise the Name is one of my favorite worship songs ever. But at that time, I don't even like No Longer Slave to Fear. If y'all have ever heard it, it's a good song, but it's not my favorite. In that service, it was my favorite. They reacted because they understand what it's like to be in bondage and be in fear. Yes. And, then, and for them to understand, hey, God came down and selected me and saved me. And now I'm, I'm now his, his daughter. All of them, they understood that fact and that they are no longer slaves to fear. I mean, it, it completely, when we started that song, changed the atmosphere in there. And it was like God just came down and just sat with us. It was so awesome and encouraging. I mean, it was, it was just, it was, one, it's always awesome to be in his presence. But it was so cool to see those, those women, just their lives, you can tell that they've had such an impact. Some of them are there by force because of maybe court orders. Some of them are in there because their family said, hey, you need help. But someone made them go there. And whether, like I say, if it was a court order, it wasn't really as far as that, that, that judge or whatever saying, hey, you, I, I want you to go to this program to get saved. It was say, hey, I want you to get out of your sin. But someone made a difference in their life somewhere. And that's, that's just 20 or 30 girls up there, or women. We're called to so much more. I, I, want, I, I want to see evangel. I, I want Pentecost to come down. And I want to see people running and worshiping. But and that's what I wanted to speak on originally when I started studying for this message. Because I can feel God doing something in here. But God spoke to me and said, hey, 
if people aren't coming in here to encounter this, what's the point? Guys, I'm sorry this is kind of shotgun-ish, but, uh, but I, I just feel God taking me here. It was like, what's the point? And, and just you enjoying yourself and sitting on the pew and getting fatter spiritually? What are you doing for God? Who are you talking to? I always like to think of myself as a good Christian. But when, when I was sitting there studying for this message because I'm a preacher, that didn't seem like I was a good Christian at that point. I was like, okay, God, you're right. I've been sitting here and I've been getting spiritually fat. I've been fed by some awesome preachers. And I'm not sharing it with anybody else. I'm saying, hey, give it to me. Give it to me. I want it. And I was like, okay, God, studying for this. I'm going to do my best, not through my own works, because I, I'm not, if it's in my own works, it's just going to be messed up. But I want to see you reach people. And Jonathan, like I said, they went over there, and they, it's so awesome to see this fight. I'm going to get back to my text. Jonathan, start cha- they start chasing the Philistines through, through a small victory. It didn't seem like big. Jonathan only killed 20 people out of thousands, maybe 1%, if that, of the army he took down, him and his armor bearer. And, and that seems like such a, a, a small victory. But our small victories might be the thing that God's looking to work through. Because it caused, at that point, it caused disruption in the camp. And everybody started getting fearful in the Philistine camp. And they started just panicking and they started fleeing over two people. This is thousands of people and two people are chasing them. Like I said, when I read this before, I remember Danelle teaching it in Sunday school when I was 15. And I'm thinking to myself, this is an awesome story. When I was studying for it again, it was like God brought it back to me. Two people chased thousands and thousands of people. I want you to think about that. They should have been just able to turn around and say, this is two people. I'm gonna, we're going to take them down. Ten of us should be able to. But God, it said that God quaked the earth. The, the ground literally quaked beneath them. And they were frightened and they took off. Now here's the awesome part. The people that were hiding, uh, Saul at the time, he was sitting there and it, it says, it gave a long list of names for one priest. And it named something. It says Ichabod's brother. It was Ichabod's uh, nephew. And if you know what that, that name, his name means, it means the presence of the Lord had departed from him. And, and it didn't have to say that. It could have just said the priest, Ahitub or Ahia, whatever it was. It was one of those weird names. But he, he could have easily just said that name, but he included Ichabod because that, that guy really didn't have any place being there. He was literally just a person there because God said, hey, Eli messed up. I'm removing the, I'm removing the priesthood from him and calling up someone else. And he called Samuel. And this person, had the, he was wearing the ephod. He wore the priest's clothes. He looked like the priest. But he really wasn't the priest. God had already said, hey, I'm calling up someone else. He had the form of godliness. He was perfect in the way he looked. He had what he needed to be a priest. But he was missing the power. Samuel was the one at that time that was the, the, God's prophet that was speaking to people. This guy, you never hear about him, except for right here. You never hear him do anything great. And Samuel did a lot of great and awesome things. He called David and anointed him. He did all these great, he was one of the greatest prophets ever. But this guy that was with Saul, Saul didn't like Samuel at this time because Samuel just rebuked him. And so he jumped churches. He said, hey, you, come here. I mean, we see it to, nowadays. You preach on something someone doesn't like, they're like, okay, I'm going. Bye. Church, I mean, we see church choppers, not, not this church, I think, I'm thankful. It seems like every time someone comes in, they stay and they plug in. And, and I want to see more of that. I want to see people just, I, I can remember when I first came to Evangel, it, it was a group about probably about this big on a Sunday morning. Sunday nights was way less. And God's grown us. And there's so much more, like I said, he wants it. As I was praying about, about the sermon, God's got so much in store for us. And then I'm going to get back to, to it again. 
the great, greater thing about this, the part that got me all excited for God, is through this one man's work of him going over and started engaging the enemy and taking down the enemy, not only did the children of Israel get in battle, they, they all decided, hey, we're chasing in. We see that the Philistines are running. We're going to join in in the slaughter. They also, the people inside the camp, because like I said earlier, a lot of the people of Israel had joined up with the enemy. They had turned their back on God. They said, hey, we're going to follow their idols. We're going to be with them. Our lives are in jeopardy staying with the Israelites. We care too much about our lives. We're going to go with the enemy. Like I said, this is the, today's state of the church. I've seen people come out of this church and go and sit, uh, and sit at bars. And I've heard about people that have just left this church and, God's, uh, and God's, the devil's just destroyed them. God still wants to save their souls. And th- this right here, Jonathan and the, the whole camp of Israel chasing these people. These people finally see, hey, God is God. They finally turn their backs on, on the enemy and go after the enemy. That's where all the weapons were. I'm sure they had the enemy's weapons. They had the enemy's devices. They all turned their backs on the enemies and started going after the enemies. And it's so cool because when God showed me this, he showed me, hey, if we'll reach out, if we'll reach out to people and we'll take a stand for Christ, we'll move. God will honor it. There's people that have came to this church before that'll come back. They've turned their back. They're living with the enemy right now. And all it takes is word getting out that God's doing great things in this midst. And people that are talking to people. And people are witnessing. And there could be people that have just slandered this church. Because guess what? If God does something good, people are going to talk bad about it. And, 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 I, and guess what? If we make up our minds like Jonathan did here and say, hey, we're going after God. We're going to see what God does. It's going to be the same thing. We're going to have people talk bad about us. Get ready for it. It's the last days. People are getting darker and darker. But guess what? If God's moving, saving people, it'll just fuel the fire even more. And God will move even more. And more people will get saved. Guys, it's so awesome to see new people here. But God, I know that there's so many more people we can reach. And uh, gosh, I gave Chastity about five or six scriptures, and I'm not even going to use a lot of them. I might quote a few more. But let's bond together. Uh, we used to have a discipleship program. And I remember Jonathan coming in and challenging us, say, hey, we're going to pray for one person this next week. We're going to pray for a guy named Will. And, and he said, hey, let us all pray for him and pray that God will move on him and bring him back to us. Because he had, he had, he had found alcohol and he, and he just went, he just kind of went crazy. I don't know how to say it. He just started partying and all this stuff. And Jonathan said, hey, let us pray for him and see what God does. And I can, this, this will never leave my mind. And, and we all started praying for him. And guess what? The craziest thing happened. Because we asked God to move on his behalf and bring him back to him. He showed up the next Wednesday. I say that's crazy, but think about what I just said. We asked God and he answered. Like, the, like Chris is saying today with that, uh, the, one of the newer songs we're doing, Good, Good Father. He's a good, good father. He loves us. We've got to see ourselves as sons of the king before, or, or, or daughters of the king before any of this happened. Like I said... If we don't see ourselves as, as children of the king and we don't see him as our good, good father, why are we praying? Why are we asking God things? But however, let's say this. If we ask, if we'll come together, like I said that scripture, if two people agree on anything, God will do it. Amen. Not us. God will do it. So, so we, we've got to bond together. Uh, there's, been, there's been prophecies about this church, many, many prophecies, that God's, and a lot of them have already been fulfilled. 
But one of them is as long as we're together, as long as we're unified, as long as we're one body, God will do great things in our midst. And I believe that with all my heart. And like I said, this is one of the most together church that I've ever seen. We don't have a lot of backbiting. We don't have a lot of slander and a lot of people in the church talking bad about different things. But we do have a group of people that I can tell that's hungry for God and that wants to see people's lives impacted. Guys, I don't, I don't want to go through life and say, you know, I've witnessed to two or three people and that's it. And, I, and maybe one person got saved through me. I, I, I don't want to say, hey, I preached a good message and I was this fantastic preacher. And I'm not saying that right now for sure, but and I'm kidding. But I don't want to say that I'm this great minister and that one person gets saved under me. One person says that I accept Christ. And even ask yourself then, where are they at now? Guys, we, anybody that comes to this church and gives their life to God, we've got an obligation as family to protect them. We've got to protect them in prayer. Ask God to keep them. And, and I'm going to move on to my last point, and we're going to, we're going to wrap it up. Ask God, I was like, God, give me, give me the opposite of this. Because Jonathan did this great thing. He brought victory to everyone in that camp, thanks to him obeying God and him moving out. And I was like, God, and, and this, God wrecked me with this. And I said, God, show me someone. I want to know a New Testament reference to this. And we're going to go through it very quickly. I was like, God, show me someone in the New Testament that is the opposite of this. Because I want to see myself. The Bible is like a mirror. And when we look into it, we've got to do a self-checkup on ourselves uh, and look and see how we are. And I was like, God, I want to check, my, check on myself and see where I'm at. And he showed me the, the elder brother. We, we always look at the prodigal son. And the prodigal son's the star of the show. He really is there. He, he accepted Christ. That's the most important thing there is, is someone to have salvation. Number one decision in life. But this, this guy, I, I, heard, I heard a pastor say he gets a bad rap. And he, he does. He's the negative person in the story. But, he, but why? And I started looking into it. He never understood who he was. He never understood that he was a son of the king. And I say king here. He put a, uh, the, the prodigal son, they put a robe and a ring on him. That's royalty. That's, that's the way they had, they, uh, they had show royalty. Uh, someone mentioned uh, how rings back then was a signature, and that was their sign of royalty. This is, it says that it was a father, but this guy was a leader. It was a great person. And this guy, he was working hard in his father's field. He was doing the work of the father. He was trying to build, build and do great things. And I feel like I myself is that way sometimes. I feel like I'm working as hard as I can. And God showed me this, and be careful, because like I said, this is all about us being together and reaching the community. He let bitterness come in towards his brother, which is understandable. If I saw, if I had, if I had a brother and he spent everything my dad gave him, half of, all of his, his uh, inheritance, and he went out and just wasted it, I would be a little upset with that. that that's, that's kind of a natural re- reaction. Here's the problem, though. He didn't deal with it. He let it go. It, uh, we know Hebrews, it says, watch carefully, Lest the, root of, lest the root of bitterness springs up, and therefore many are defiled. Notice it doesn't say a root of bitterness is planted and it grows. It says it springs up, which means it's already there. We, we, we've got to ask God to cut those out. That way we don't have divisions come up among us. Uh, going, going back to Genesis, I want to go to the scripture in Genesis. I don't think I have chastity it, but it's talking about the Tower of Babel. It's Genesis 11.6. And the Tower of Babel, was, it, God didn't give people different languages time. Everybody spoke the same language. And they all made one purpose in mind. We're going to build a tower to reach heaven. 
And as cool as that sounds, I was like, oh, that kind of does sound cool. That'd be awesome. But God came down and saw, hey, they, they can actually do this. We understand that there's space and everything out there. And if you go too much into the atmosphere, you're not going to have oxygen to breathe. God said if, anything, if, they, bond, if they come together, anything they, do, they can do, if they're unified, they can do it. He said it's not hindered to them. It's not, the Lord isn't, I, I didn't even go to that point. But uh, the, the Lord's not restrained, saved by many or by few. The, the Lord says right here, they're not restrained to do so. They can do whatever they, they want if they're together. Let's put this in New Testament now. In New Testament, if we don't get this elder brother syndrome, if we don't start thinking, oh, he, he wasted everything and he came back, because it caused bitterness towards his father. He accused his father. If we come together, like Genesis 11 says, we can do anything in the name of Christ. And we've got, think about this, that's Old Testament. We've got New Testament. We've got the Holy Spirit. We've got the name of Jesus. They didn't have the name of Jesus to pray for things to happen. They didn't have the name of Jesus at that time to say, hey, I want God to do things in this person's life or move. We have so much at our disposal, so much things we can do to impact people's lives. And, and I know myself, I sit on it a lot of times. I don't do anything. I just, I just hold my weapons together and say, hey, I've got them. Like I said, this message challenged my, my life big time because I said, God, I'm not going to sit here in Evangel, in Mount Olive, and watch everybody around me go to hell. It's just not happening. I, I, I told God, I was like, I have the most powerful thing in existence at my disposal by saying, in the name of Jesus, someone, uh, someone be freed of, of, of bondages and stuff like that. I had someone come to me this week, and when they started talking to me, they said, hey, my, my, adult, uh, my granddaughter, she, she had twins, or she was pregnant with twins, and she lost one of them. And my heart went out to her. I, I've seen her a lot. And I, and I did tell her, I, was like, I gave her the, the, the church answer at the time. This was months ago. And I was like, well, God will be with you. God, blah, blah, blah. God, God loves you. Just rest in God. And it, it sounds good, but it's not really, it didn't do much. She came in fr- uh, Thursday, and as I'm studying for this, and, and she, she talks about her, her, the other one made it, the other twin made it and was born. And something happened with her blood levels, and they dropped, and she was panicked. And I could see it on her face, and she was like, I've got to get this deposit in here for my business I'm working for. I've got to get all this handled, and I've got to get to the hospital. You could see the panic on her face. And I, was, and I told her, I was like, ma'am, I understand what you're going through to an extent. I was like, I don't have a granddaughter. I don't have a daughter. I do have a sister that was born prematurely. And I do have a sister that at one point it seemed hopeless because she was born, I think, 20, 28 weeks or so. It was way early. And I told her, I was like, ma'am, I do know one thing. I know that God saves. And I do know that God is with us. And I do know, and she's told me before, she goes to Desperation Church in Coleman because she, she lives up there. And she said, hey, and I saw her, I was like, I do know that God can come to you in the midst of all of your heartache and all of your, your son and your daughter-in-law, their pain and their suffering. And I know that he is our father and he is with us. And I, and I remember I said to myself, before I, before I started talking about it, I said, God, I, this lady needs help. I don't know what to do. And I just felt this urge to say, just tell her about God's love. And I, was, and I even said to myself, I was like, she knows it. And then as I start talking, uh, my little sister Bella, who's five, six years old now, she's five. Ashlyn's six. I get, I get the ages mixed up sometimes, but uh, she's five years old. She's a happy kid. She runs around. She's clumsy as, as I am. I mean, it, it's so awesome. But, but she, she's, she's a healthy kid. She didn't have the healthy start. And I got to tell her this. I said, hey, she, when she was bored, we had all these fears. I know where you're at because I knew that 
Something bad could happen to my sister because she wasn't born fully matured. And I got to tell her good news. I said, God was with me and God is going to be with you. And I, and I got to give her hope. And, and as she left, she went and talked to everybody. And she's a very talkative person. She talks to everyone in our office every time she comes in. And it's awesome. But she, kept, she made sure to come back to me. And she said, you know what? Thank you because I needed that. Because I was scared to death. And now I know that God is with us. It's hard to, I mean, when I started talking about it, it was hard for me to, I remember going through my mind, I was like, God, what if I tell her that God's going to be with her? And then that baby dies. I, said, I told myself, I was like, what happens if something bad happens to that kid? And God, God just kept on laying my heart, she needs to hear us, talk to her. And so finally I was like, you know what, God, instead of just sitting back, I'm going to not only tell her, but I'm going to believe I'm going to believe that you're going to touch that baby. And I told her that, we, that I'd be praying for her and that I would ask for prayer. Her, her name's Harper, and I don't know the last name. But, but little baby Harper. And I told her, I was like, and I did tell her, I was like, I'm going to believe that God's going to help heal that baby and touch that baby. That might be all that God wants you to do. Who knows the impact it could have? Who knows what stories might be told about that little child when that child grows up and says, hey, God was with you, even when it looked hopeless. God had hope for you, and now you're able to preach to millions. Amen. A lot of times, I don't, for some reason, it's just in my mind that men are the preachers, but Anna showed that wrong last week, big time. Women are preachers too. God can use a woman just like he can use a man, sometimes easier. Sometimes that God, men have pride a lot of times when, they, when we do stuff. A lot of times, I know myself, I want to do it the best of my abilities. A lot of times, if, if, I'm, if I feel like God says to pray for someone, I'm like, okay, God, what are they going to think, blah, blah, blah. Notice most of the time when someone gets up in the middle of service, a lot of times it's the women, it's not the men. We sit back a lot of times. But, and thank God for women. Like I said, if Brandy was up here, I'd probably try to pull a polk and get her up here and preach better than I can. But, uh, but if, if everybody will stand, I'm going to close with this. I want you to take inventory. I want you to look at yourself tonight. And say, God, am, am, I, am I reaching out? Am I believing that you can do things? That's what I had to do. And like I said, it challenged me. I had to, I had to realize to myself that if I'm going to say, hey, God can do something, I've got to believe it. Like I said, the only thing that can hinder God from moving is unbelief. The only thing that can prevent him from reaching out to people is us not believing that he can. Other than that, we've got the name of Jesus that can do all things. So, like I said, take inventory. Tonight, if you're that person, you say, God, I'm not reaching out. I'm sitting on the pew like I I had to do. I say a lot of times I like saying for a message, this one, this one had a challenge with it. This one said, hey, I've got to step out. I I can't just sit on a pew. But if you're there tonight and you say, God, I, I know you have a destiny for me. If you're in here, you're called to be a son or daughter of the king. And he's got great plans for all of us. So if you're there, come forward. Come ask God. It might, you might not have something instantaneously happen, but as you're going through the week and you see people hurting because they're out there, that's what that lady Friday showed me. She showed me that, hey, there's people that are just waiting for you to say, hey, God loves you. God loves you. Three little words that can completely change someone's life. And then if you're, if you're this elder brother, if you've let bitterness kind of come into your heart, and you're working as hard as you can, but you're not reaching. I, I invite you, come up here and ask God to move in you. Ask God to use you as an instrument for his glory. Guys, we're the body of Christ. When one member glories, we all glory.
When Drew did a fantastic job, it was so awesome to say, you know what, I'm glad that God's calling up young men to preach the gospel. I'm so glad that God's using young people to reach out. And God's got great and mighty things. I, I, uh, Papa said it's bittersweet seeing pol- the Polks go to Honduras. But man, think about the people that are going to reach out there. People that are hopeless, that, ha- that ha- don't have what we have over here. They need the Word of God just like we do. And it's so awesome to think about what they're going to do. But guys, if you just want God to even use you more, come forth. God's not a respecter of persons. He's not going to, like I said, He gave me a chance to, to witness someone and to give, uh, give hope to. He's not a respecter of persons. I'm no more special to, to, in His eyes than any of you guys. So I invite you, come down. Ask God to use you in great, mighty ways. I know He will.